Moncrief on News Talk. About an hour or so ago, the European Space Agency was due to launch a mission to Jupiter, but that's been uh, postponed uh, due to bad weather. When it does take off, it will take eight years to complete and the significant Irish involvement. Professor Katrina Jackman is among them. She's head of the Planetary Magnetospheres Research Group at the Dublin Institute for Advanced Studies. Katrina, good afternoon. Good afternoon. Uh, So what happened with the weather, Katrina? Well, that's one of the only things in life that we can't control. So Mm. everything else was green for go, everything that we could control um, as spacecraft operators. But unfortunately, there was a significant risk of a lightning strike. And so the decision, the right decision was made to scrub the launch for today and then to try again tomorrow. Right. Okay. Oh, so it won't be a long wait then. uh, No. I suppose you're waiting long enough anyway, so another day won't make that much of a difference. So does it take eight years to get to Jupiter? It does. Jupiter is is a really, really long way away and the the spacecraft itself has some really large solar panels and they give it most of its power um, to run the instruments. It will be launched on an Ariane 5 from Kourou in French Guiana tomorrow at 1.14 Irish time, so 30 seconds earlier than it was due to launch today. Mm. Um, but yeah, eight years to get there, and then it will spend about five years um, studying Jupiter and studying Jupiter's amazing and exotic moons yeah. and help us in the search for conditions that may support life in these amazing environments. And, and to, in that regard, Katrina, I, I imagine it's the moons that are probably possibly of more interest than Jupiter. For this particular mission, yes, the moons are the focus. Um, the moons, including Ganymede, Europa and Callisto. Ganymede is one of the larger moons of Jupiter and it's possibly has um, a liquid water ocean underneath its icy crust, as possibly also does Europa. And so we're really interested in understanding, you know, how thick are these icy crusts, how salty are the oceans underneath them, and what kind of conditions are there at the very base of these oceans, a bit like what you get near hydrothermal vents at the base of deep, dark oceans here on Earth. Mm. So what kind of microbial life could potentially survive and and indeed thrive in those really exotic environments? How do you figure out if the water is salty or not? So the Juice spacecraft has 10 instruments on board, a whole range of different types, including a magnetometer instrument, which measures magnetic field. Yeah, sorry to interrupt, Katrina. I should explain what Juice is. That's Jupiter's icy moon explorer rather than you're going up there with a bottle of, you know... Juice. No, they, they did have some quite strange cocktails here today in Germany at the launch event. Um, they looked better than they tasted, I can tell you that much. But yes, the Jupiter Icy Moons Explorer. So 10 instruments on board, um, magnetometer, which measures magnetic field and, and characteristic fluctuations or wobbles in that magnetic field can tell us what's going on under the icy crust. It's also got an ice penetrating radar it's also got a radio instrument, which uh, myself and my team at Dias are involved with. And that's going to help us to characterize the saltiness of the ocean. It's going to help us to look for atmospheres of these moons. And essentially, we're going to be rewriting the textbooks at Jupiter because we've had suspicions for quite a while that there's some really exotic science going on at these environments. And now this is an amazing opportunity for us to go and spend a couple of years up close and personal 
and taking these fantastic measurements. Yeah, and is it 100% certain that there is liquid water underneath the ice? So that's what we need to determine. So we need to determine the thickness of the ice and we need to determine the composition of those oceans and whether those oceans are global, so whether they go all the way around um, the moons underneath the surface or whether they're more patchy, how deep they are. So our previous spacecraft, which have visited Jupiter, have given us hints of the activity that's going on. And so JUICE has been specifically designed with instruments that, that are capable of calculating these numbers and working out really what's going on under the surface. And the trajectory or the flight path of the spacecraft is also designed to go really close to these moons to give us a fantastic close-up view. Right, okay. And uh, and in this is, is this correct? Is this the first time that uh, any Earthcraft will have gone round a, a moon other than our own moon? It is, yes. So it's not the first time we've sent a spacecraft to Jupiter. We've had several spacecraft fly by. Uh, we've had the Galileo spacecraft orbit. And in fact, the NASA Juno spacecraft is there right now. But JUICE is unique in that it will initially orbit Jupiter, but then it will go into an orbit around Ganymede, which is one of these moons. And I should say as well, you know, Ganymede and some of these other moons, and of course Jupiter itself, are visible, you know, from Ireland in the night sky, not today, mm. but um, later on towards the summer they will be. And Jupiter is really a great object for any budding amateur astronomer to go out and take a look. Just download an app on your phone. There's lots of free apps that allow you to see what you're pointing at. And you can see Jupiter and you can yeah. see some of these close-in moons. And assuming that, you know, it all goes well tomorrow and it launches and then, you know, you spend eight years drumming your fingers waiting for it to uh, to get there. How long does it take the information then to come back? Say when it's around Ganymede, uh, and uh, mm-hmm. no doubt that, you know, be, you'll be dying to see what kind of results you get. How long does it take to th- those uh, that information to travel back to Earth? Oh, well, it, it's back, um, you know, in, in, in an hour or so. And mm. then the instrument team's, will be downloading that data directly and analysing it immediately. And I should say as well, we don't just kind of sit on our hands for eight years. There's a lot of scientific analysis, um, modelling, computer simulation, um, pre-work that can be done before we get to Jupiter because we have a couple of flybys of Earth and we have flybys of Venus and potentially of Mars as well on the way to Jupiter because it helps to give the spacecraft a gravitational kick. It helps us to, mm. to give us a boost and get us to Jupiter quicker if we pass by other planets on the way. Yeah. And so while we're doing that, we will be taking measurements, even you know, in a couple of months' time when we have one of our first Earth flybys. So there is plenty of science to be done on the way there, and then we will absolutely be ready day one to get the first data from Jupiter's moon. And as, in, as far as Jupiter itself goes, are, are there specific things you're going to be looking for there? So a range of things, again, because there are these 10 instruments on board which can do all sorts of different investigations. So studying the magnetosphere is something that's really interesting uh, for myself and my research group. So that's studying the magnetic field of Jupiter and how that entire system works. And what I really love about planetary science is how we still have so much left to learn. If you look at a child's textbook now compared to a child's textbook, you know, when you and I were in school, they're very different Mm -hmm. because we're sending new spacecraft all the time and we're learning things 
all the time that we didn't know before. And so the textbooks that the next generation of children will be learning from will have new information about what is inside the, the core of Jupiter, what's under the icy crusts of these moons, how do Jupiter's northern and southern lights work? Jupiter has really, really strong and really intense auroral emissions. Um, it's kind of like Earth times 100 in terms of auroral emissions. So there's lots that we have yet to understand, and that's why we send ever more sophisticated spacecraft every time with more and more targeted science questions. Yeah, and and presumably also you the, 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 there's a learning process in terms of uh, learning about how the spacecraft itself reacts to these kind of long-haul missions or what at the moment are long-haul missions. <clears throat> Absolutely. And that's actually at the core of what we do in Dias. So within my team, um, Dr. Mika Holmberg is part of my team. And she is an expert in spacecraft charging. So that's understanding and quantifying how a spacecraft can become electrically charged when it's orbiting in space. Oh, and does, the does that, that happen? can have on the measurements. It does happen, and actually, it has resulted in um, catastrophic issues for telecommunication satellites near Earth, which have become electrically charged, and that's had an, an impact on their navigation systems. So it's a, a safety risk for spacecraft, but it's also um, a risk to the fidelity of the scientific measurements. And so in that eight-year time frame where we're waiting for JUICE to get to Jupiter, we'll be doing intense work on uh, measuring and simulating and modelling how spacecraft charging works at Jupiter and the impacts that that can have on the scientific measurements. And in relation to Ganymede, are there the right sort of instruments on board to be able to send back results saying, yes, there's microbial life there? Or would there be indications and something else might have to be sent up? Yeah, so to be clear, the aim of JUICE is not to search for life. That's not what we're doing this time. Mm. We're searching for the conditions that can support habitability. So we are measuring the thickness of those ice crusts. We're measuring the composition of those subsurface oceans and the extent of those subsurface oceans. And so if, as I suspect we will, we find that there are the conditions right now at Jupiter that can support habitability at at least one of these moons, then the next step is to go and search directly for that life. So there's a, a subtle difference there. We're not going with the aim of finding life right, yeah. with this mission. It's the conditions that can support it is what we're looking at at the moment. Okay, I assume, yeah. If 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 you find the conditions, then a subsequent mission, would that have to land on Ganymede or, or, or one of the moons to dis- discover that definitively? There, if you Google um, cryobots, it, you go down a sort of a rabbit hole of, you know, where science meets science fiction. But there are all kinds of really creative and, and fun and amazing ideas for how we would search for that life, including having mini landers that would land on top of the icy crust of a moon and drill down through that crust huh. to have a look into the subsurface ocean. But of course, before you would do that, you need to know where would be a good place to drill. Yes. Where would be a good place to land? How thick is your icy shell? So it really um, is almost in the realm of, you know, where, where, they, where science meets science fiction. It's so um, amazing to me to think that that's even a possibility. But first step, we go with juice. We characterize 
if habitability is is the real deal, and then we look to the next mission okay. to how we would actually find that life system. And how long will Juice be operating for, and then what happens to it? So eight years to get there, and then about five years initially orbiting Jupiter, and then going into a close-in orbit around Ganymede, and ultimately you need to dispose of a, spa- a spacecraft safely at the end of its lifetime. And so the plan for JUICE is to deliberately crash it into the moon Ganymede and dispose of it in that way. Because what you don't want to happen is for a spacecraft to be sort of running out of fuel and for us to be unable to communicate with it or control it and for it to just be off doing its own thing. So we want to be in control at all times of where that spacecraft is going. So it will end its life on the surface of Ganymede. Katrina, best of luck with all of that and thank you so much for speaking with us today. That was Professor Katrina Jackman, head of the Planetary Magnetospheres Research Group at the Dublin Institute for Advanced Studies. Moncrief, weekdays at 2pm on News Talk.